How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Tennis Direct are Australia's favourite online tennis store with fast delivery and great prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. Just visit their website, tennisdirect.com.au and you can get a 10% discount store-wide. Just use the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. That's FIRSTSERVE10. GLG Greenlife Group. Celebrating 25 years. Your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Great to be with us uh, right across uh, the country, wherever you're listening into the first serve, your home of tennis. Uh, happy to take uh, your calls, uh, your show, your thoughts as always. one 736 736 or on the text tonight, 0433 98 We'd love uh, your contribution. You can direct the tennis conversation wherever you like. The floor is yours. Uh, Brett Phillips with you tonight. And tonight, we're going to announce the first of uh, four winners of our Wilson giveaway competition. Got the fancy uh, barrel, which which I've uh, brought in uh, here. It's had a bit of soup in it earlier today. We've cleaned that out beautifully. Thanks to Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store with fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over 150 bucks. TennisDirect.com.au right now. First serve listeners can get a 10% discount yeah, store-wise. So just use that promo code uh, first serve 10 So two of the Wilson RG Clash 100 G3 rackets and accessories to the value of $500 and two of the Wilson RG Blade 98 rackets and accessories also to the value value of $500. We are giving away to four lucky people over the next month, starting tonight. But there is only one place we're going to start tonight. Kazakhstan. John Millman loves Kazakhstan. Millmania late last night securing his uh, first tour title on the ATP World Tour. We know he's come through the futures. He's won plenty of challenges. It's a great story, the John Millman story. And you can pay your own uh, tribute uh, tonight and talk about John Millman. one 736 736 He conquered Adrian Manorino, the uh, Frenchman. A hard-fought week, adversity... He never does it totally easy, John Millman, but one thing he's got head and shoulders above so many others in the game is heart and determination. And uh, you've got to beat John Millman fair and square if you're going to actually get a W in the column. Uh, Nick Lester, of course, is a world-renowned tennis commentator uh, working for many networks on radio, TV. He was a uh, part of our Australian Open coverage uh, back in January and uh, Nick was calling the match for ATP Media last night. Nick, it's uh, great to have you on the show and I know you're not an Aussie but it's hard not to, for anyone involved in tennis, not to like John Millman. Couldn't agree more, Brett. Great to speak to you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure, wasn't it, to watch John. John's journey, I guess, not not come to an end but to come to, to a peak, if you like. Uh, obviously, you know, he's had some great victories. He's done some great stages, Brett, but I think... You sense what it meant to him yesterday, couldn't you, in terms of winning that first tour title? There's been a lot of good players, Brett, as you well know, that have not won tour titles, that have come up just short. So I think for John to 
expected to win that title in the manner he did as well, Brett, because, you know, Manorino had been playing so well last week. He'd, he'd not lost a set coming into the final. He'd made life very difficult for a lot of opposition. And I have to say, when I started to commentate the final, I, I thought Manorino was a slight favourite the way he was playing. But goodness me, John really hung tough, especially in the first set. There were moments when it could have gone the other way. Um, but as you say, his determination, his focus... And everything that goes with that is just outstanding. I just want to read this little comment. Uh, we're going to speak to Gary Stickler in about 10 or 15 minutes' time. He coached John between the ages of 17 and 24. He's been in the game here in Australia, Nick, for over 50 years. He worked very closely with uh, Pat Rafter throughout his career. He said in a great read, uh, which was part of Athlete's Voice, uh, just after uh, John beat Roger Federer at the US Open, going back a few, a few years ago now, there's a range of things you have to work on to succeed at a national level. But in a nutshell, you've got to be able to hit the ball hard, you've got to be able to run fast, you've got to be able to compete. John was always a competitor and he always had a good set of wheels, so he just had to be able to increase the racket head speed to hit a lot harder and then understand how to play the game as well. And one thing I think we've noticed with John Millman, and it's a really interesting, Regs, you look at John Millman, you think he's got, you know, confidence and he's such a competitor, but sometimes if we go back through his sort of early to mid-twenties, maybe didn't pull the trigger or be as aggressive as he could be, maybe just relying on the other player to make the mistakes, and he was going to be rock solid at his end and not miss too much and hit with really good depth, but gee, I, I loved how he sort of, he's up the ante and, and taking taking and being more assertive to win his matches definitely yeah and i think you know i think the one thing that obviously brett has changed in tennis is that the physical side has got so much more noticeable about challenging you know you have to take care of that side and that's one that's one aspect or one box that john certainly ticks as you mentioned he's always looked after himself physically he's always been a guy that um, made sure that if he needs to be out there three hours he's doing the work in the off season the, uh, the pre-season to make sure he can be out there three and a half hours so there was never for me, any real concern about that yesterday. Um, you know, and I think going back to the point you make, I think at futures level, and probably to an extent, uh, Brett, at challenger level, you probably can get away with putting balls in court, mm. uh, just making opponents miss. Uh, but I think, obviously, when you do step up the levels, you do need to have a slightly bigger shot. And I think, you know, I don't think if you look at the big picture, Brett, I wouldn't say John Millman has a big game on the ATP Tour. Yep. I think he has a very physical game. I think his serve has probably got a little bit better. He gets a few more three points out of the serve than he did a few years ago. Uh, probably takes the ball a little bit earlier. Um, but he certainly doesn't have a big game, Brett. I don't think that's, you know, you can wouldn't describe John as having that, but he certainly has uh, a game that can wear people down. He's very disciplined, Brett, as well. Shot selection, very disciplined under pressure. You know, he very rarely goes for a ball that he shouldn't do. He hangs in points. Um, in a manner that, you know, is mm. so admirable in terms of being under pressure. He hits a lot of balls cross-court. A lot of, you know, he does the basics so well, Brett, and, you know, that can get you a long way. It's funny, I made a comment on the show seven days ago, Nick, and, and comparing sort of the current Grand Slam nations and just, you know, the drought of an Aussie winner, uh, a US winner, a, a French winner, certainly in the open era. We know Yannick Noah, 83, uh, in Paris. Uh, also, the Brits, obviously, apart from, you know, Andy Murray, it's been um, a, a fair drought since uh, the great Fred Perry uh, back in the 30s. But I thought, if you could if you could take the heart, determination and work ethic of the Australian players with the flashiness and uh, the just the style of the, uh, of the French, you'd have a 
a great player there. I mean, the French are fascinating, aren't they? They've had so many players inside their top 100. They've got a lot of juniors uh, coming through who can all play. They're all coming through a really good system. But I, th- I heard you make the comment in the call last night of Manorino's poor record in, in finals. They just can't quite get it done regularly enough. Yeah, I think, I think you know, I, whether that's a generational thing, Brett, I don't know whether the fact that perhaps for those guys it's not being proved that it can be done. You know, I think... I think when you get a player from your nation, certainly just talking from a British perspective, I think obviously with Andy winning, winning over here majors, it's definitely pulled the socks up of the likes of Evans, Norrie, those guys. They're mm-hmm. not going to win majors, but they're certainly going to... Being around Andy, who's won a major, is huge. And yep. you know, maybe that's something the French have been missing. Maybe they haven't had a major winner, and that generation have never been proved they can actually do it. So maybe that's something. But I'll tell you what, I will make one quick point about the French. I think they've got Hugo Lambert, Brett, who has a very, very good mentality. Mm. He's won over De Manor last week in Antwerp, and everything I hear about him um, is very positive. So maybe the French now, with someone like Lambert, do have someone who does tick a few more boxes in terms of just being a little stronger between the ears, because... Uh, as you said, they've certainly never had a lack of talent, and they've never had a lack of variety. Have no. the French? It's one thing you, you can very rarely pigeonhole their players. They they are all of a unique style. They all have their own way of doing things. I think that a, lot, a lot of that in France has to do with letting the players develop in their own way uh, and not kind of over over coaching them, if you like, in France, which has been. I think a real positive over there. Yeah, they're very watchable, uh, the French, no doubt. We're talking to Nick Lester, a tennis commentator who was uh, on hand calling uh, John Millman's uh, first ATP Tour title uh, win over Adrian Manorino, which uh, finished just before midnight our time uh, last night. And this has been an odd year. I mean, Nick, uh, you, you travel a lot. Obviously, you've been hamstrung like so many of us in tennis not to be able to travel and cover the sport. It's been great to see it resume in this sort of back end of the year with a couple of majors and quite a bit happening on the, the men's side. Uh, how, have you, how have you coped with it all in, and how have you seen, uh, I suppose, the re-emergence of tennis after such a, a long break that we had? I mean, I think definitely, Brett, there is... There is most definitely, I hate to use the word changing in the guard, Brett, because it's not happening yet, because obviously we've still got the same guys winning majors, but there's definitely a huge push of youth coming through, Brett. You know, you look at the winners this year, I think I calculated the other day, we've had something like 27 ATP Tour winners this year, mm. and I think I'm right in saying 15 of them have been 25 and under. Now, clearly, Rublev accounts for a fair bit of that because he's won five titles, but, you know, there's unquestionably, Brett, a, a push of youth that is emerging and coming through and making waves on the men's tour. And it's great to see, you know, the likes of Rublev, the likes of Umber. Um, I think one thing that has been pretty clear, Brett, as well, is that, you know, playing in the environment that we're in, in terms of the bubble the players are working in, the lack of crowds has really determined who wants it, who's there to be the best tennis player they can be. Because it's taken out, if you like, the, the, the somewhat entertainment side of the sport. The players that play like to play in front of a big crowd who are there to, to provide the entertainment. It's no entertainment involved. This is about raw winning tennis matches mm. in front of nobody. There's no atmosphere. There's no crowd. You are playing... You are, those that are winning matches now are winning because they are determined to do so and because they have the hunger to be the best they can be. And I think that is where, you know, that is where, it, that's what I think what we've seen over the last four or five months. It really has established who's out there to win trophies and maybe who's out there actually a little more to do the entertaining side of things. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's obviously been the difference. I think Rublev has been phenomenal. Yeah. Um, the improvements he's made in his serve in particular have been stark. Um, and, you know, Tsitsipas obviously has played well with the French. 
actually nice to see Dimitrov playing well again, Brett. I thought he played well the last couple of weeks. Nice to see him sort of back playing well again. But it's certainly been different, that's for sure. Oh, no doubt about that. We're going to hear from Andre Rublev a little bit later on. What a year he's having. Uh, fifth uh, title. I love him. I think he's, uh, you know, he's great to listen to. Um, I think he's got a great team around him. And he's, he's really knuckled down, hasn't he? I mean, how do you, how do you look at that, you know, that, that pack we've been talking about for a while? Sitsipas, uh, Medvedev, uh, Zverev obviously advanced uh, before those guys. And now Rublev has stepped into the top ten. Shapovalov's obviously uh, continuing to emerge. Still a work in progress. But how are you looking at the, the development of that, that next batch who uh, are obviously going to be um, you know, right up there contending for titles for many years to come? I really like the words he's from Shapovalov this year. I know he's shut the year down now, probably wisely. I think of, of those guys, Brett, he has... For me, probably the most upside in terms of game. Yeah, he has a huge serve. The forehand is absolutely monstrous when it's on. And he's starting to kind of roughen out the, smooth out the rough edges in his game. Um, he, Shapovalov, for me, is, is definitely getting there. The use of the sports psychologist that he's brought in over the last two or three months, I think it's going to help him going forwards as well. Yeah. Um, no doubt for me, he's not the game to win a major. Rublev is only worry I have for Rublev, and uh, it's either minor one, is just physically whether the body can hold up because mm. he has had some issues. He likes to play a lot, Brett, as well, Rublev. He plays a very, very physical style of tennis. Mm. Um, um, so that would be my only concern for Rublev going forward, whether the body will hold up long term. Competitively, I have no worries about him. Again, he's always been an unbelievable competitor, a great, a great heart, a great fighter. Um, and then you've got obviously someone like Felix, who's still got a couple of issues with the serve to kind of sort yep. out. Yep. And the back end, um, the back end of Auger Aliassine is still, for me, a bit vulnerable right now. It's not a great shot. That's got to get better. I think he's got to try and improve that side of things. And then, of course, Sitsipas who physically is just a beast, um, has, has pretty much all the game. I think he can improve the slice back end. That's an area for me that Sitspass needs to improve. Um, but again, the next sort of two or three months or, or time in the off-season to prepare will hopefully use it wisely. Great stuff. Nick, nice summary. Uh, gee, there's a lot to like. A lot to keep an eye on. A lot emerging back end of 2020. And obviously we hope uh, for a, a fairly normal 2021, mate. Really appreciate you giving us some time and uh, look forward to hearing you over the next uh, few weeks. Of course, uh, Paris, uh, the ATP uh, finals, and uh, hopefully you can get a ticket to Australia. You, you're set to come out. What's what's going to be the go there? Yeah, well, we're in lockdown here again, Brett. So there's a, there's a lot. <laughs> it's a day-to-day -day change of process, so... To be honest, it's a case of one day at a time right yeah. now. But uh, yeah, we'll enough. see. We'll see. Yep. Good man. Thanks, Nick, as always. Take care. Nick Lester, uh, joining us. Uh, yeah, back in uh, lockdown, uh, the Brits. Uh, he's handled it beautifully, hasn't he? Boris over there. And lockdown for another month, but we're going to hear from Gary Stickler after uh, the break, who's had a lot to do with the emergence of John Millman, but he's uh, back up to 38 in the world. He's been as high as 33, and we also should mention Max Purcell and Luke Seville, the Aussie duo who made the final of the Australian Open doubles earlier this year. That has allowed them to get into these bigger tournaments. They were runner-up at their 250 in Kazakhstan overnight. So they're uh, they're emerging nicely. And John Pearce, speaking of doubles, a big chance to get to London in the final eight for the ATP uh, final. So uh, we hope that uh, Pearce can be there again. He's been a two-time champion at the uh, O2. You can keep up to date with the world of tennis via our website anytime. Log on through the week. Thefirstserve.com.au. We're here thanks to Top Agents Real Estate, servicing all of Melbourne. Check out David and his team at top-agents.com.au. You give them a call tomorrow, nine double five eight four five double nine. If you're reading, selling, buying, they will look after you. The first serve, your home of tennis.
GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists. Celebrating 25 years of industry experience and exceptional service at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Great to be here on a Monday night. Brett Phillips uh, with you. one 736 736 Ellie in St Kilda has called that number, thankfully. Ellie, it's uh, great to have you on the show. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I know it was a while ago, um, but I just had this thought after the Fetch Open final. I didn't, I didn't get to make a call in between. Yep. And I think, like, it's a point that it can apply also going forward. But I think what, like, what really struck me about that game and like really makes a point for just tennis in general is just how different the surfaces, you know, how, how much the surface makes a difference. Because if you, watch the, if, if you watch the game, you'll see that Djokovic played an unbelievable hardcore game. He absolutely pounded the ball mm. into the corners, mm. literally pummeled the ball. If, if Djokovic would have played like that at the current tournament, like in Vienna and et cetera, he would have been unbeatable. Yeah. The only reason that, uh, like, the only reason he didn't win is because he didn't adapt to the surface and he didn't play angles. He just smashed the ball, you know, in the corners, and you're not going to beat a ball like that. You have to, you know, you have to manipulate the court on clay. So I just thought it was so interesting. People didn't realise how well Djokovic was playing. They thought Nadal smashed him, mm. but Nadal only smashed him not not because Djokovic was playing badly. Djokovic was playing an amazing game, <laughs> but for hardcore. Yeah. So it's just really interesting. Like that's why I think like Rublev, he's doing so well on these faster courts. But as soon as as soon as you put Rublev on a slower court, he'll still be good. But I would give an edge to someone with a little bit more spin. And that's why Rublev, he'll do well on these courts. But as soon as you can get him, you know, stretching to yep. on his backhand side with a lot of spin, he'll be much less comfortable. So it's just, it's just so interesting how, like, the surfaces make a massive difference. Hey, I love your insights, Ellie. Call us again, mate. Uh, fantastic. And, look, you, you sum it up beautifully. Because if you just had looked at that match without even seeing it, a six-love Nadal, first set French Open final. The first set went 45 minutes. So there were some really good exchanges. You're right. I mean, Djokovic has had the wood on the dale on hard courts uh, for quite some time now. But on the clay, it's just that one extra ball with the angle, with the top spin that Nadal puts on the ball that gives him the edge. I mean, whatever surface these two are playing on, they're going to have some uh, you know, real battles physically in terms of uh, rally length. But Nadal on clay uh, can just do that little bit extra on the ball. It's, uh, it's phenomenal. Ellie, uh, love your call. It's John Millman night, really, isn't it? It's Millmania. We're going to speak to a man in just a moment who's had a lot to do with John. But here he is. It was late in Kazakhstan and uh, he had the microphone last night. Massive thanks and congratulations to uh, Adrian. We have some tough battles. We have some, some really hard-fought matches. You're so tough to play, compete so hard, and thank you for sharing the court with me today. A real special thank you to the sponsors and especially to the president of the uh, Kazakhstan Tennis Federation. Your hospitality has been unbelievable. In Australia, we say when something is is an easy choice, we call it a, a no-brainer. And for me, it's an absolute no-brainer that this tournament should be a permanent fixture on the schedule. You had six weeks to make this possible, and it really has been uh, one of the best 250 indoors that, that I've played. So you should be proud and um, a massive thank you. And yeah, here's to making this tournament a, a permanent fixture. Uh, finally, to all the team back home or the littered around the world, family, friends, misses, and thank you for always supporting me, not just in the good times, but the tough times. Um, this is the, my first ATP 250 that I've won and it's really special that I could do so in New Zoltan. So I've enjoyed every every minute of being a guest in this uh, great country. Thank you. Uh, there he is, uh, John Millman.
Of course, uh, last night in uh, Nur Sultan, I think they changed the name of the capital, was Astana. Was the Astana open in Nur Sultan that, anyway, work all that out. And uh, yes, I did see when the camera panned to the president of the Kazakhstan Tennis Association, when John mentioned no-brainer, there was a little bit of a perplexed uh, look on his face, but I think he, uh, he worked it out. Gary Stickler has been a big part of John Millman's journey. Over 50 years coaching in the game, he started coaching John when he was 17. All the way through to 24, he's been a consultant. He's been part of John's journey all the way through, the founder of Lifetime Tennis up in Queensland. Gary, lovely to uh, have you on the show for the first time. Uh, good evening, Brad. Lovely to be here. You, uh, I imagine we're watching it last night? I was, yeah. Uh, great for him to, to finally get there. I mean, he's been knocking on the door, that Budapest final, uh, Tokyo. He's played, you know, the big courts of all the Grand Slams up against the, the, the best in the game. You know, Murray and Federer at the US Open and... Uh, of course, all around uh, the the big courts of the majors, but this one um, had been tougher to try and win a tour title. But he he got there, and uh, gee, he earned it last night. He certainly did well. He earned it all the way through the tournament. Yeah. Um, had some um, really big fight backs in the quarters and the semis matches. That, but that's typical, John. Um, you know, the, the tougher it gets, the tougher John gets. You know what, Gary, I printed off a, a document today, Athlete's Voice. Uh, you wrote a contributor column uh, just after he beat Roger at the US Open. Uh, heart and courage, that was the text I sent to John after he beat Roger Federer. Just uh, those few words. A quote here, he's always had a big heart, but sometimes he gets into situations where he doesn't quite believe in himself and just plays a little soft. He'd lost some matches doing that. I was just talking to Nick Lester about uh, the emergence, the continued development of John's game. He sort of, I mean, there's a perception sometimes of a guy gets to about 30, 31, he is what he is, but I mean, so many guys are evolving their games and, and playing some of their best tennis uh, beyond the age of 30, and you, and you can see that in John's game. Yeah, John's um, decided to take a few more risks. He's realised yeah. the last yep. time I chatted with John when he was home, um, came out and worked with some of the kids that we're working with, he talked about the difference between Djokovic and some of the other players and Djokovic's ability to change direction with the ball, where some of the other players, even uh, uh, you know Federer, um, is comfortable going across court off the forehand or playing an off forehand but mm. can't go down the line off the forehand. But Djokovic can change direction. That's always been one of John's main problems is that um, he, he, he's got a great cross-court game but is a little bit um, not happy to go up the line at times and last night in the final he hit a, a backhand winner up the line when he was down a break point at um, yep. five all in the first set so that just pretty much shows the difference in his game. Yeah, no doubt. You know, as Nick said, I mean, he's never had the biggest game, but, gee, he competes, his depth. But uh, you're right, taking a few more risks, pulling the trigger, a little bit more power. He's always had the wheels to get around the court, super fit, really diligent. I mean, uh, as you know, he's always been one to do the extras, and it pays off at some point. Yeah. Look, I remember saying to John when he was 17 that his strength was he put a value on everything he did. Yeah. And his weakness was he put a value on everything he did. Um so it's just trying to get the balance right in that area for him. And look, I, th I think we haven't seen the, the best of him yet. I think he get, gets a little bit more confidence. He takes a few more risks and he's going to work his way up a little bit further in the rankings. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great call. I remember the time he was, Gary, out injured for that, you know, he had long periods. He'd come back, he'd get injured again and we, we didn't see him there for a, a good chunk of it. He always knew when he did get out and play, he'd win matches and he had that X factor about him, just that little bit of a point of difference that you thought, gee, if he could play a full calendar and get some continuity in his tennis, 
then we would see him really emerge. And thank goodness the body has stayed healthy the last three years and we've seen him climb into the top 100 and obviously now into the top 50. Yeah. Oh, look, he, he manages his body a little bit better than he used to. Um, but, yeah, look, um, he, he, he's always had some special qualities, John, um, and uh, that's what you need to be a little bit better than everybody else, and no matter what you do in life. So, um, um, yeah, he's a special, special person. Um, I remember taking him up to hit with Pat Rafter one day when Pat was up the Sunshine Coast mm. to have a look at him, and, and um, Pat was a little unsure of how he felt he'd go because they're both different um, game styles, yeah. obviously. Yep. But... Um, you know, yeah, John, John's certainly got a massive heart and a massive set of wheels, um, good brain, um, and he'll, he'll sort it out. I love your comment. I've sort of highlighted a few sections. It's a great article. People can go back and have a, have a read. If John seems like a good bloke, it's because he is. And Pat Rafter is exactly the same. I've worked with both of them, and there's a lot of similarities, which you've just sort of touched on. And you do feel that. When you're in John's company, you feel like he is really authentic. You know, I've, I've been to many press conferences, requested one-on-one, -on -one, you know, in covering the slams around the world, and he will sit there and give you great in-depth discussion and analysis. And I've got to say, from where I sit, on the side of the fence I sit, that is that is fantastic. Yeah, look, John, uh, look, John's got a very good family background, so... Um, yeah. Um, you know, he's basically all sisters. He's the only boy. So um, they pretty much sorted him out as well. <laughs> so, yeah, he's always been a terrific kid. I mean, what you look for in anybody, if you want them to be successful at something, is the qualities they have as a human being. Mm. Um, you take those on to whatever sporting field you go on to, and John's certainly got those in spades. No doubt. Hey, Gary, just one to sort of... Um throw your way aside from John you've been coaching for a long time you've been involved in tennis the state of tennis in Australia right now how would you describe it as someone that's at the coalface look I, I think Tennis Australia is trying to re-look at what they're currently doing and trying to get some of the um, some of the, some of the private enterprise coaches involved, make them feel like they're part of the team. And there was a, a period of time there where they didn't feel that was happening. They just felt that um, they were on the outer. Um, but certainly, um, if you have a look at some of the rankings at the moment with the um, Australians, they're probably they're probably better in 2000 than they've been for a little while. Um, you know, you've got a couple of others in the top 100 now. Um, you don't have... We don't have players in the top 20 like we did when you had... Um, well, you had Rafter Philippousis, mm. um, Hewitt, and then you had Woodbridge, Woodford. Um, you had a whole heap of them just went down Arthurs, you know. just You probably had about 10 of them in the top 100 then. Um, but I think the problems happened back then when they were about to move out of the, you know, the, the, the game yep. and there wasn't anybody much coming through between um, probably 150 and 400 at the time. Um, so, yeah, look, um, I, I think they're trying, look, there's been a number of restructures in Tennis Australia over the last number of years. Um, certainly they've got to get it right shortly. No doubt. I mean, we, we want to see the juniors coming through. There's not a big list of them at the moment. This is probably a... Uh, a discussion we could have for another time. Obviously, we've been having a, a quite a spirited discussion on this show for a number of weeks about the grassroots and where it all sits and 
Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not straightforward. There's uh, lots of layers to it, but we'll continue to dissect it on the, the first serve. But tonight, we do want to you know certainly get your take on uh, on John Millman, and I'm sure, uh, like many, uh, very very proud to be associated with the guy that gets the absolute best out of himself. Uh, really appreciate you giving us a few moments, Gary, and uh, your insights. Yep, no, love to do it. Gary Stickler, who is well known in the uh, tennis fraternity right around the country, over 50 years in the game, a lot to do with Johnny Millman and his development. We'll uh, take a break, come back, uh, look at the remainder of what's happening on the tour. Also, we're going to give away our first Wilson racket and all the accessories. So we're going to hear from Ben Mitchell. That's a really uh, interesting chat on our Aussies Only uh, podcast, and we'll get to your texts and calls. And a happy birthday today to one of the greats, Ken Rosewell, known as Muscles, 86. He is a gentleman, Ken Rosewell, and uh, I'll tell you what, I've got no doubt he can get to triple figures the way he's travelling. He's in good nick. Eight major singles titles, former world number one. The first serve, your home of tennis. GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists. Celebrating 25 years of industry experience and exceptional service at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve. It is your uh, home of tennis. We'll draw our first winner in just a moment. Our Wilson giveaway. Going to give that away very, very shortly. One of four, thanks to Tennis Direct, of course, Australia's uh, favourite online tennis store. 10% off for all first serve listeners. Uh, first serve 10 is the promo code. Even um, a nice little discount on things that are already uh, discounted. So head to their website, tennisdirect.com.au. Uh, Steve from Burwood on the text. Big decisions for Millman. Will he bypass the ATP Cup or try and push towards a seat? spot at the Australian Open. Hard to see him playing enough singles to be worth his time. Interesting, isn't it? I mean, I think uh, Adam has uh, also pointed out one of our great listeners who tunes in from uh, beautiful Tweed Heads up there on the the border, New South Wales uh, Queensland border, in regard to the next two weeks with Paris and then Sofia that he might be able to work his way towards uh, the seedings uh, for the Australian Open if he can uh, finish the year uh, strong. And, well, I suppose we don't quite know what's happening with the ATP Cup. I'm told at the end of this week we'll have total clarity about the Australian Summer of Tennis, uh, looking at a couple of hub setups like the AFL have done up in Queensland, chartered flights for international players to uh, come in. But we're uh, going to know more, apparently, uh, later on uh, this week. But, yeah, for John Millman, uh, what an opportunity to be seated at a uh, major for the first time. So, uh, Certainly a big decision to be made. Uh, Andre Rublev, what a year. Fifth uh, title, uh, the most of any player in 2020. He beats uh, Lorenzo Sanago, this uh, uh, young Italian who knocked over Djokovic in this tournament. An extraordinary scoreline, 6-2, uh, 6-1. Uh, but let's have a quick listen to uh, Andre Rublev. First of all, I want to say bad luck to Lorenzo and uh, amazing week. He beat such amazing players. And I remember we played once... Uh, challenges like four years ago I think 2016 and you did a huge huge improvement since that time you're playing unbelievable and I wish you to keep going to keep working and uh, for sure uh, we will have more and more battles and you will win and I hope I will win as well so it's only beginning then of course uh, I want to say big thanks to the crowd for all support during the week to all the players because since the first match uh, the stadium even in this difficult time the stadium was quite full so I want to say big thanks to you and especially this tournament is really special for me because my grandma was also Austrian so I have Austrian blood really special title for me and thank you so much and also I want to say big thanks to my team for my coach Blondie Fernando Vicente and my physio Mark Boda 
Thank you so much, guys, and I love you. And uh, yeah. I love you. Going beautifully. He loves everyone. Andre Rublev, uh, five titles this year. Well entrenched now inside the top ten. The Russian is coming, but as Nick Lester did mention at the top of the show, there's still, you know, some work to do in terms of his uh, body to get that right, to really play these big physical matches against his uh, fellow rivals in uh, the top ten. Um, Adam from Tweetheads, I know you did send another little text in here, just uh, paying tribute to John Millman, as they say. Uh, things come to those that wait. Absolutely. 2020 has uh, taught us all to be uh, extra patient. But uh, Lorenzo Sonego, when you think about the Italians, Berrettini at 10, Fanini at 16, Sonego at 32, Yannick Sinner, we've been talking him up at 44, Travali at 74, Cecinato at 79, Caruso 81, and Maya at 90. They've got eight players now, the Italians, in the top 10 on the men's side. But Lorenzo, well, he might have... Uh, had his gold medal against uh, Novak Djokovic during the week. 6-2, 6-1. Let's have a listen to the Italian. What a day, what a match. Lorenzo, Yeah, what should I say? You have just won against the world number one, against a living legends in this sport. What is going through your mind right now? Sorry, guys, but my English is very, very bad. But I try to do my best. For sure, it's the best victory in my life. Uh, we know Novak. Is the best in the world. Today, I played so, so good. I like, uh, <laughs> I like this tournament. I like the condition here. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what I say. <laughs> at what point, at what point during the match, you realized, hey, it is possible. You know what I mean? When did you realize I could beat world number one? Was it during the first set, during the second set? Yeah, yeah, I played the, the best match uh, in my life. Uh, I'm here, I, and I'm I so think happy for this. It won't be the last, Lorenzo. <laughs> Let's keep it with that. You are in the semi-finals. Willkommen im Halbfinale der ersten Bank Open für Italien. Thank you for your support. Thank you. Tell you what, the energy was up and about in Vienna uh, during the week for Lorenzo Sonego. Uh, I love the uh, roll of the ass there. It was very uh, Rafael and the Dalek. So Paris uh, this week for the Paris Masters. The Aussies, Jordan Thompson up against uh, Federica Delbonis, who's the Argentine qualifier. Uh, John Millman on a flight from Kazakhstan to Paris. He's got a... Back up the next day up against uh, Miamor Kekmanovic, uh, the Serbian, and uh, Alex Di Menor, who uh, did uh, withdraw from uh, Vienna, taking on Stefano Travaglia, the Italian qualifier. So the Aussies a chance there to uh, certainly win a round or two. Kiki Burton's the world number nine. She's undergone Achilles surgery, so she'll miss the Australian Open. Gail Monfils has pulled the plug on his season with a few niggles. Uh, the new ATP player cancel. Speaking of John Millman, he's going to be part of that. It's fascinating, isn't it? Kevin Anderson has replaced Djokovic's president. So there's Rafa, Roger, Murray, uh, Auger, Aliassim, the young Canadian, John Millman and the Frenchman Jeremy Chardy who will be part of that player council. And there's Djokovic who's defected along with Pospisil and Query and Isner who resigned from the ATP council to set up this professional tennis players association, the breakaway union, to give more players power in the game. It's going to be fascinating to see how all that comes together. I can just see uh, more butting of heads to uh, certainly uh, take place there. Before we go to the break, I want to play a little bit of Ben Mitchell. Now, for all of you that know your tennis, Ben Mitchell stepped away from the game, gee, I reckon maybe three years ago now, three or four years ago. He became a very uh, young dad. He was a very promising uh, junior who went on to be just outside the top 200. I watched him win many five-set matches 
at the Australian Open Wildcard Playoff. Our Aussies Only podcast allows us to talk to the Australians in a bit more depth and time than we have here on a Monday night. And he had this interesting thing to say amongst many interesting things in the last few days. I, I felt like I was sort of, I think I was ranked around 200 when I was 19 or something like that. Yeah. And it was more, yep. I, I kind of wish I had have reflected a little bit more and actually thought about things and gone, hold on, I'm doing pretty well here. And But with sort of the way uh, Terry operated, and, and don't get me wrong, I, they did so much for me and I'm so grateful for what they did. But it was very much, um, you know, you just had to, you just had to keep going forward. Whereas a, a, someone like me with my personality, I needed time with the family. I needed time to regroup. And, and that time, uh, yeah, I wasn't, uh, wasn't allowed that time, which I sort of felt a little bit burnt out at times. Um, and there were a lot of times, which I don't even think people, you know, realize is, you know, my sister had leukemia. Um, I was really close with her. So she, she traveling away sort of seven months of the year and then being in Canberra. Um, and only being able to see her, I don't know, a couple of times a year was, was really tough. Um, and just, just asking for, you know, little things like I remember finishing a training block in, in Canberra. I did a four and a half week, five week training block in Canberra. And I, I was going to wait, I was going to go away for three months after this training block. And I asked, um, I asked the coach if I could go back to Brisbane for one week before, um, going overseas to see my sister who was, you know, struggling. And, um, and he just, just looked at me in the eyes and said no. And, uh, I got to go home for one day and one night before my three month trip. So those, those sort of things, I, looking back on, I, I can't really understand those decisions, but, um, I'm not sort of here to, to, to rip on them. It's just, uh, you know, they were trying to get the, they were just looked at, looked at me as a bit of a sort of a, just a tennis player, I think more so than a, than a human being. It's a really fascinating chat. It goes for about an hour, so I, I recommend you go onto our website, thefirstserve.com.au. Go to our Aussies Only page. All the podcasts throughout the year with uh, Jed Setzer and Jake Eames are there. They're all archived. Thanasi Kokonakis, uh, Jess Moore. There's so many uh, that have uh, really given us some insights. That's the first time that Ben has really reflected and spoken about his journey through uh, tennis. And obviously we're talking about the grassroots uh, quite a bit where all that goes. That discussion hasn't uh, closed. At the moment, we still await Craig Tiley to come on the program and uh, address uh, the grassroots uh, situation. But it's a really fascinating uh, intake from a, a young guy who gave his absolute heart and soul and is now doing some great work at Brisbane's uh, Boys College as a coach. And he's a, he's a young dad to a beautiful uh, uh, girl who's now, I think, uh, three or four years of age. And it's a really, really good story. OK, just before we go to the break, we're going to draw the first of our uh, Wilson giveaways. And we have got, of course, the Wilson RG Clash 100 G3 record. Well, you can choose, actually. We've got four. And we've had entries coming in from all over Australia. Have a look at the fancy bowl I've got here. Had a bit of soup in this uh, semi a little bit earlier on. We've just cleaned it out beautifully. Uh, entries from uh, everywhere. Oh, hang on, we've lost one. Wait, Jeez, we can't let someone uh, roll out of the uh, roll out of the tub here. Right here we go. There we go. Hello, here we go. Heather Thompson. Heather, if you're listening from Canabo in Victoria, I've probably totally butchered that. I'm not sure geographically where that is. We're going to try and give you a call during the break and see if you uh, do answer. But Heather Thompson, you are the winner of our first Wilson racket and accessories. We'll do one uh, across the next uh, four weeks. We'll take a break. We'll come back with our final seg here on the first serve. GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists, celebrating 25 years of industry experience and exceptional service at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis.
Welcome back as we are about to wrap up another big show for a Monday night. Well done to uh, Heather Thompson here in uh, Victoria being the uh, first winner of our Wilson uh, giveaway competition. We've tried to give Heather a call, but uh, she might be out on the court or... Um doing something on a uh, Monday night, as we know. Uh, for those of you that listen in live, that's great. And uh, plenty of you listening to our podcast, which is always up tonight, which you can uh, go back and have a listen to uh, tonight's show and all our uh, previous episodes. Uh, Paris is certainly going to be uh, the feature this week. Uh, Rafael Nadal with the bye in the first round, but he's one win away from 1,000 career wins, which is phenomenal. We saw Federer achieve that. I'm pretty sure that was in Brisbane a couple of years ago that he got beyond the uh, 1,000 mark when he played the uh, Brisbane uh, International. So uh, no uh, Djokovic uh, this week who will skip Paris to play the ATP finals, um, which will be in two weeks' time. So we'll have Sofia, the 250 in Bulgaria, uh, another chance. Obviously, Diego Schwartzman is uh, the one player trying to grab that last spot for uh, London. So, uh, Diego, who had to pull out with injury in uh, Vienna last week, I noticed he has got a bye in the first round, would play either Gasquet or Fritz in the uh, second round, which is a, a tough uh, second round matchup. So, it'd be great to actually see Diego Schwartzman at the 0-2 after uh, the year that he's had and elevating himself a little higher in the Grand Slams to a uh, semi-final in, uh, in Paris after being a quarter-finalist on uh, three uh, previous occasions. But, yeah, it's a pretty good field. Nadal, uh, Sitsi passes the second seed. He'll have the bye in the first round. Medvedev, Zverev, uh, Rublev, as we've mentioned, in outstanding form. Uh, Berrettini, uh, Goffan, Karino Busta, uh, Ranich in that field, uh, Hutchinov, uh, Vavrinka, uh, Grigor Dimitrov, Nick Lester certainly uh, was complimentary of his return, but he's had to pull out of this tournament with a foot injury at the back end of the year. Uh, Felix Auger, Aliassime, Borna Choric, a very own Alex Steeman, or as I mentioned, he's got Trevalia in the first round. So if he was able to navigate his uh, way through there, uh, he would uh, who take on either um, Laszlo Jerry of Serbia, who gets in as the lucky loser, or Kevin Anderson, uh, the big South African, who's the new president of the ATP Player Council and uh, made his first uh, semi-final uh, back after a lot of injury in the last 12 to 18 months. So great to see him back in the semi-finals after I think about 20 months having not got towards the the pointy M of the tournament, uh, Kevin Anderson making those two Grand Slam finals at Wimbledon and also uh, the US Open. And wouldn't it be great if um, South African tennis could have a bit of a resurgence? It's been a long time, Amanda Kutzer. We had uh, Wayne Ferreira there for a while making semi-finals of the Australian Open. Uh, there's no tour event in that part of the world, uh, apart from uh, Federer and the Dale playing that uh, charity match. Uh, maybe that'll be the legacy for Roger Federer with a, his South African heritage on his mum's side that he can uh, maybe lift them to a, a better level in his uh, retirement. Uh, thanks for your company tonight, to your texts. Uh, for those um, certainly contributing to our Wilson competition, great. Great entries, great feedback on the show as well. We really appreciate that. Keep an eye on our website, thefirstserve.com.au. You can log on there right throughout the week. Uh, plenty of content rolling out, plenty of written articles uh, too. Good, some good feature pieces. Uh, thanks to Tennis Direct, 10% off. Log on, tennisdirect.com.au. Subscribe to The First Serve via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or your preferred podcast platform to listen at your convenience to the live shows you miss on a Monday night. Plus our weekly themed podcast content, including Aussies Only, Crunching the Numbers and In the Huddle, produced by Study and Play USA. Plenty of content to listen to weekly. Subscribe to The First Serve, your home of tennis. G'day, Mike Hussey here. 
Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.